thousands of protesters clashing with police in a COVID-19 test kit plant. Boxes and stools flying, but what are they fighting for? China reopening its borders, allowing people to go abroad while infections surge at home. An update on how countries are reacting. Funeral homes grapple with overcrowding. A funeral home worker appealing to the public for understanding. A Chinese tracking device found in a car belonging to the UK government. A look at what British intelligence officials found. China launching another military drill around Taiwan. And on the heels of that drill, a group of German lawmakers touching down on the island. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Before we dive into today's news, make sure to use the link below to subscribe to our newsletter. Each week, we'll round up the highlights and controversies happening around China and the world and share an exclusive behind-the-scenes snapshot with our readers. Keep an eye out. The newsletter will land in your inbox Friday morning. Conflicts at a COVID-19 test kit factory in China's southwest metropolis, Chongqing. Thousands of workers clashed with police over the weekend. Footage online shows workers throwing various objects at officers. And the police force running away from angry protesters. The conflict comes as 8,000 workers were laid off by a local drug manufacturer. During the pandemic, the factory was a big supplier of COVID-19 test kits, with 10,000 employees working there. But as Beijing abruptly turned away from its zero COVID-19 policy, mass testings and quarantines also ended. A worker explained online that the factory has, quote, no orders anymore and has started firing people. Another worker there told us they felt staff were being unfairly treated, but their appeals were ignored. The agent was there with a loudspeaker yelling things like, you go when I tell you to go, don't cause trouble. Just very arrogant words. Sure, everyone is angry and we will not reason with him. Employees enraged by unpaid wages and a sudden layoff gave up the working shifts and struck a protest. Later, destroying machinery and working facilities. COVID-19 test kits were scattered on the ground afterward. To quell the anger, the factory promised to pay wages for December and January. But it pulled back that agreement after protesters dispersed, instead accusing protesters of threatening factory officials. Elsewhere in southern China, a similar protest broke out at a local plastic plant, sparked by a dispute over wages and layoffs. China's strict pandemic border controls have come to an end. The system largely prevented its citizens from traveling abroad for three years. But as of Monday, flights are scarce, and several countries are still imposing mandatory negative COVID-19 tests for inbound Chinese travelers. At the same time, a wave of COVID-19 infections is surging across the country. What's more, China marked the first day of what's called Chenyuan on Saturday, a 40-day travel peak surrounding the Lunar New Year holiday. This year's is the first since 2020 without domestic travel restrictions. Here's more on how it's playing out. These are the first Chinese tourists to arrive in Thailand on a direct flight from China in three years. 
200 of them, a momentous occasion for them now that China's government has ended the strict COVID border controls that largely kept its citizens from traveling abroad since the start of the pandemic. China finally reopened on Sunday to jubilant scenes at airports. This is one of the tourists. We are very excited to come back to Thailand. We are waiting for three years already. Before the, the COVID, we come here every year. And this time I take my family to come here. Long lines in Beijing as people eagerly await to renew their passports. The government says it expects people to take two billion trips this season. But in these early days of reopening, it's only a trickle, not a flood, not yet. Flight data shows that on Sunday there were 245 international flights coming and going from China. On the same day in 2019, there were over two and a half thousand. Also, several countries are still cautious about how to deal with inbound Chinese travelers. The World Health Organization has accused the Chinese government of underreporting the ongoing COVID outbreak inside its borders that is overwhelming its hospitals and crematoriums, while Beijing has downplayed the severity. The United States has imposed mandatory negative COVID tests on travelers from China, as has the UK, Japan, Spain, and others. Taiwan said Monday that nearly 20% of recent arrivals from China have tested positive. The most popular short-haul destinations are all in Asia, including Singapore, South Korea, Japan and Thailand. But among long-haul destinations, non-Asian countries take the lead. Those are the U.S., U.K. and Australia. Also in China, funeral homes are coping with more overcrowding. Let's take a look at how workers are grappling with the surge. One funeral home worker appealed to the public on Chinese social media, asking for understanding about the difficult situation. It's the same for both the head of the funeral home and us employees. We keep working even when we get infected with the virus for days and have a fever or other symptoms. It has to be like this. Otherwise, how can the funeral home operate? He added that his wife developed a fever multiple times and that his own eyes and ears became painful. We're working around the clock during the cold winter. In the early morning, we still have to work. I watched a video last night. The driver of an ambulance had a 100-degree fever. The doctor, too, and a nurse. They picked up a patient with a high fever of 104 degrees. He sobbed while speaking about the situation. On the outskirts of Beijing, residents report being forced to use excavators to dig graves. That's to manage the high number of deaths locally. And in Xinjiang City, a cremation furnace broke down last week. A worker was seen fixing it. Last month, all three of another facility's cremation furnaces were broken. The funeral home issued a notice saying they broke due to, quote, recent continuous operation. A Chinese tracking device has been discovered hidden in a car used by the UK government. It's sparking more concerns over spyware from the communist regime. British intelligence officials found at least one SIM card capable of transmitting location data in the government car. According to sources, the location transmitter was found inside a sealed part of the vehicle. It's reportedly capable of being used by the Chinese regime for eavesdropping purposes, as well as track the location of government officials. 
The device was discovered by security officials in a routine search of government vehicles. It was installed before being imported from China. According to security sources, the pre-installed SIMs in the electronic control units are sent to manufacturers as sealed units. The device's discovery has prompted the UK government to urgently review security threats coming out of China. Security officials have confirmed that sweeping routine checks have already increased in recent months, following concerns about increased Chinese espionage activity. The Chinese regime has dismissed allegations of espionage as unfounded rumors. China is holding another military combat drill around Taiwan. It marks the second in less than a month, with Taiwan's defense ministry detecting 57 Chinese aircraft involved. Here's a closer look. Taiwan's defense ministry said of the 57 aircraft and four naval vessels operating around the island, 28 aircraft entered Taiwan's air defense zone. Two of the aircraft were nuclear-capable H-6 bombers that flew south of the island nation. Taiwan's presidential office strongly condemned the drills. Beijing claims Taiwan as its own territory and has been threatening to take it under control by force. That's despite Taiwan having its own military, constitution and leaders. The communist regime has never ruled the island. Taiwan has maintained its position to neither escalate conflict nor provoke disputes, but says it will firmly defend its sovereignty and security. Taiwan added in a statement that peace and stability in the region was the responsibility of both China and Taiwan. China has made regular military incursions into the waters and airspace near Taiwan over the past three years. It held war games around Taiwan last August, following a trip to Taipei by Nancy Pelosi, then Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives. Taiwan says it's staying alert. President Tsai Ing-wen visited the Army and Air Force units on Friday to encourage servicemen. As we are facing the expansion of authoritarianism, we can but strengthen the country's combat capabilities and resilience to secure our national security and interests. One of the Air Force unit's main duties is to repel Chinese fighter jet incursions. As Chinese aircraft fly over Taiwan, the island is hosting two official visits from Europe. A group of lawmakers from Germany arrived in Taiwan on Monday. We support a one-China policy. But having said that, uh, we want to also say, as Free Democrats and as uh, one part of um, the legislative majority forming the new German government, that we support Taiwan when it comes to um, making it totally clear that military aggression and the threat of military aggression coming from Beijing is unacceptable. The head of the German parliament's defense committee led the delegation Thank you very much, Mr. together with another lawmaker. They are slated to meet with Taiwanese President Tsai Ing-wen. The group makes up the third German delegation to visit the island within four months. Also on Monday, a delegation of Lithuanian lawmakers arrived in Taiwan for a one-week visit. Tesla has announced longer waiting times for some versions of the Model Y in China. The electric car maker says the delay could be a good sign toward demand recovery. China is Tesla's second largest market after the U.S. Here's more on that shift. Tesla signaled on Monday that a move to cut prices might be working to stimulate demand.
The automaker said it now had longer waiting times for potential buyers of some versions of the Model Y in China. Tesla's website showed the waiting time was a week longer on Monday than it had been on Friday. The wait as of Monday was two to five weeks. It comes after Tesla cut prices by up to 13.5% on Friday at a time when demand in China has slipped. That brought some of its cars close to rival BYD's best-selling models. A source told Reuters that Tesla has so far not made any change to its plans to suspend assembly lines from January 20th at its Shanghai plant. Not everybody was happy with the price cuts, though. Angry Chinese owners who bought Teslas late last year and missed out on the discount have staged protests. On Monday, they said they would wait for a response from the company, having demanded some kind of compensation. Tesla told Reuters on Saturday there was no plan to compensate those buyers for price cuts they had missed. The company did not respond to a request for comment on Monday. Are New York City officials tied to agents of China's communist regime? A New Year's Eve event in Times Square is giving way to concerns after a Beijing official appeared during the festivities. That official is Huang Ping, the Council General for New York's Chinese Embassy. He's known as a staunch advocate for Beijing and supporter of CCP leader Xi Jinping's communist ideology. Dubbed socialism with Chinese characteristics, he also defends the regime against human rights abuse accusations. Huang spoke in Manhattan during the Hong Kong Rocks event, wishing celebrators a happy new year and urging them to visit China. That's on a backdrop of glitzy dance and music performances, plus a kung fu circus, a special edition scarf from a known fashion designer, plates of dim sum, and Hong Kong-style milk tea organized by the Times Square Alliance. The event reportedly welcomed over 100 guests and dignitaries from the government, diplomatic, business, and academic circles, and travel communities of New York. Those details come from a press release from New York's Hong Kong Economic and Trade Office. But here's where the concern comes in. The document lists companies and groups as event contributors, several of them with strong links to China's state-controlled media and Beijing's top propaganda department. It's a curious backdrop for the Hong Kong-inspired event, when the city itself has seen the rise of a pro-democracy movement since 2019. That summer, protests erupted in the city over a Beijing-backed extradition bill. Opponents said the measure would help Beijing suppress and control dissent in the city and push out freedoms like press and assembly. Coming up, Kevin McCarthy has secured the gavel as Speaker of the House. He's vowed to tackle the China threat, but will he be able to pull it off? Frank Gaffney, executive chairman with the Center for Security Policy, points out a bug in the China Task Force, the group McCarthy set up years ago to counter China. The task force essentially neglected entirely. The role that Wall Street has played in using our money, our pension funds, our 401k plans, mutual funds, exchange-traded funds, index funds, what have you, as means of transferring money by the trillions to the Chinese Communist Party. More details after the break here on China in Focus.
Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Next, we zoom in on the new Congress. Kevin McCarthy secured the gavel as Speaker of the House after 15 rounds of voting. And he's vowed to tackle the China threat. We hear from Frank Gaffney, executive chairman with the Center for Security Policy, on how McCarthy's own past might play a role in how Congress deals with China. Well, we need investigations of China in a number of respects. Uh, one is just the general proposition that the Chinese Communist Party is at war with the United States. And we've talked about this in the past, this unrestricted warfare, uh, myriad techniques um, aimed at destroying us through economic warfare, political warfare, information operations, subversion, espionage, technology theft, on and on. Not least, biological warfare, which is what I think the COVID attack was. But beyond that, we have a very serious problem that also needs attention, and that is this phenomenon of elite capture, whereby the Chinese Communist Party has essentially compromised and is rendered as effectively assets of the party an awful lot of people in positions of leadership, whether it's in business, whether it's on Wall Street, whether it's in academia, whether it's in the media, whether it's in Hollywood or in our political system. And this is where the rubber meets the proverbial road in whether Congress will in fact really investigate what the Chinese are doing with respect to Joe Biden, or for that matter, with respect to members of Congress. And one of the reasons I'm again, skeptical, is I believe that Kevin McCarthy himself has, as a result of the aggressive fundraising he has done, and that has, in fact, brought him to this point of uh, perhaps becoming the Speaker of the House, has tied him to uh, lots of people who have very strong interests in going along to get along with China. And a test of this proposition of whether investigations will be conducted that are meaningful and that actually get at the facts and set the stage for the kind of corrective action that's so urgently needed is two years ago, Kevin McCarthy set up something called the China Task Force. He was initially, as you know, going to be a bipartisan effort. Nancy Pelosi pulled the Democrats out at the last moment, so the Republicans did it alone. Interestingly enough, while it looked at an awful lot of things and somewhat helpfully did so, the task force essentially neglected entirely the role that Wall Street has played in using our money, our pension funds, our 401k plans, mutual funds, exchange traded funds, index funds, what have you, as means of transferring money by the trillions to the Chinese Communist Party. And I believe that was because Kevin McCarthy did not want the committee, the task force, to look into that question because I think it got a little too close to home. Uh, Sequoia Capital is of particular concern in this regard. He's, I think, close to it, um, and it is in turn close to communist China. And that's a formula for not the investigations we need, let alone the corrective action that is urgently required to end, among other things, this underwriting of our enemy. It's a good question. I think it starts with exposing 
those who are engaged in the bidding of the Chinese Communist Party. They've taken the money or they're um, benefiting from all expenses paid, um, you know, trips to China, the visas, uh, the research and so on. Um, we need full exposure. Most especially, I would argue, of the man who is the commander-in-chief of the United States, for heaven's sakes. A man who, from Hunter Biden's laptop especially, we know, has been not only deeply compromised, but as one of my colleagues, Sam Faddis, a former undercover operative for the Central Intelligence Agency, says, using the terminology of the trade, he's a controlled asset of Chinese intelligence. That needs to be laid bare, and the implications of it are so shocking that they need to be catalysts for, as I say, corrective action, which I believe in this case means removing a man from the kind of responsibilities that Joe Biden has currently um, at the risk of uh, otherwise having him continue to advance the interests of our enemy. And again, this is a matter of extreme urgency, I believe, because I think at the moment, not least because of the compromises of Joe Biden and others, the Chinese Communist Party seems poised to engage in the kind of old-fashioned warfare that they've been preparing for for some time. And we can't have people running our country compromised by the enemy in a shooting war, for heaven's sakes. I would simply say that if Kevin McCarthy becomes the speaker, he must be held fully accountable for giving the authority to investigate where the facts lead to Mike Gallagher, who will be running this China commission, to Jim Jordan, who will be the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, to uh, Jamie Comer, who will be the chairman of the Oversight Committee, and anybody else in the Armed Services Committee or elsewhere who will have the authority to investigate fully and correct this mortal peril that we currently face. Um, investigations are important, but they have to be rigorous. They have to be um, unencumbered by political considerations, and they need to lead to corrective action. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.